Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Hello. Hello. Welcome to a new episode of Hot Marriage Cool Parents with yours truly, Jamie Otis here, and my hubby Douglas Hainer is out taking care of the kids. So it's just you and me today. So excited because, well, first of all, we have a new nephew in our family. So little baby Joey Zitza was born and he is just as cute as can be. And so because of that, my in-laws aren't able to recap Married at First Sight with us, but don't you fret. I still have a little lowdown that I'm going to share with you. So you're getting just you and me today, at least for the first half of this podcast. And uh, I feel like it's been a while since it's just been you and me chatting together or rather, I guess, me talking to you, but you know what I mean. And of course, I want to give a huge shout out to our five-star reviewer of the week, Amber K. Rath. She says, after watching Married at First Sight and you two being my favorite couple, I checked out Instagram to see how things were now. I obviously found that you two are thriving as a couple and have some beautiful children and stumbled across a post about your podcast. I, of course, binged all the episodes to catch up. You always keep it interesting with different guests talking about different topics, but my favorite part is that you are so real. I also enjoy your insight on the Married at First Sight couples. Keep doing you. Thank you, Amber. I love reading your guys' five-star reviews. We say it all the time because it's true. So pumped that you guys are still loving the podcast. I love the feedback we're getting about the Married at First Sight recaps. And before I get into chatting about all things Married at First Sight, which of course, you know, I'm going to give you the lowdown, but I thought I would just share with you a little bit about what's happening in our real life right now and just like kind of catch up to date because I know that we've been talking an awful lot about my course, Become Body Positive, which I'm so pumped about. It's going so well. We are literally on the third week now, or we're going into the third week, I should say. And I'm just so excited for everyone because it warms my heart to know that it's really helping people like find their confidence and feel better about themselves. And that's literally like the whole point. So it feels like a huge success. But without a doubt, I feel like when it comes to like my career and professionalism and like helping other people, I've always really, really got, I don't know, like self-gratification out of that. Like it makes me happy when I help others and I'm there for others. And something that I just have never been able to figure out for myself is how to just make myself happy with and of myself. You know what I mean? Like without having to help someone else first or make someone else's day or make something easier for someone else. Like I don't know how to just 
find happiness from within rather than, I don't know if this is making sense, but like rather than like serving someone in some way and making sure that they're happy. So I actually started therapy again recently. I've, as you know, if you've been following along, then you know that I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And honestly, Hendrix is now 10 months old and I still struggle with it just as bad as I did at the very beginning. I mean, literally, and even throughout my pregnancy, I don't know, I'm assuming it's probably the pandemic as well, but yikes, it's just like relentless for me. And so I tried going through a therapist through my insurance and I've tried two and we just didn't mesh. And so my biggest thing for anyone listening, if you can relate to anything that I'm kind of talking about, I really do recommend therapy, like without a doubt. And I feel like sometimes you have to go through a couple good therapists before you find the right one for you. But when you find the right one for you, and this is obviously just my own opinion, but like in my opinion, there is no happy pill. There is no drug. There's nothing that can be better than when you find a therapist that you jive with and you can like just talk about, you know, the things that are going on in your life and whatnot. Just have someone listen to you. Oh my God. To just be listened to and be heard. Like it really, really, really does something to your brain. I don't know. It helps me so much. So anyways, I just started going back to this therapist that I had been seeing prior to every even having Henley. And I haven't seen her pretty much like the week before I delivered Henley. And then I stopped seeing her because life happened and I no longer had time to just pick up and go to a therapist. It's really, really difficult. But now she does it via telehealth, which like I think that the one silver lining of this pandemic is the telehealth that's available now because we're all so busy. And so inevitably, like we put off doctor's appointments and things like that. At least I don't know, I do. But if I know I can just call instead of have to like pack up the kids or find a sitter and then drive myself to the appointment, then get to the appointment, do the appointment and then drive myself back home. It's like, oh, I can just call in my pajamas with my hair a greasy mess. And that's just far less effort. (laughs) And I love it. But anyway, so this woman, Lisa, I just jive with her so well. And to be very honest, I told you a little bit before about what happened. Honestly, I felt rejected by the one therapist because... I was trying to see her and Lisa. Like Lisa didn't take my insurance and that was the issue. It was I wanted to find someone who took my insurance because that just made sense to me, right? So Lisa ended up leaving her practice and getting her own and she didn't take insurance. And I was like, well, obviously if I can save money by going through my insurance, that's what I'm going to do. And so I tried that route and tried two different therapists and really didn't work out at all. And I shared more about that in other episodes, so I won't go down that rabbit hole, but it just didn't work out. And that's okay. That's like the biggest thing I guess I wanted to share is that that's okay. But I'm telling you, so I just started therapy lessons again with Lisa recently and oh my God, two sessions in and I'm instantly like, God, why did I ever give this up? Like, why did I think I had no time for this? Because it's just so helpful. So anyways, that's kind of what's going on with me. You know, I'm still just not incredibly like mentally healthy and I'm really working on how to fix that for myself. And I know that therapy for me is really helpful. Also, I do take antidepressants and an anti-anxiety and I used to have a lot of shame in that, but I no longer do. You know, I'm just becoming confident in the fact that like if my heart was not working right, no one would like flinch an eye if like or flinch a muscle, bat an eye, whatever the saying is. No one would think twice if I was taking medication for my heart, if my heart wasn't working, or 
Or if let's say like, I don't know, my leg was broken and I needed a cast, like no one would think twice. So why is there such a stigma associated with medicine if your brain isn't working correctly? That's just like, to me, it's not fair at all. So yeah, you know, I'm seeing a therapist and I'm really trying to tackle this postpartum depression thing. I'm trying to like exercise because to me, that's another really big, important thing to do. And it's not, as you know, I don't even really care about the weight. It's really just for those feel-good endorphins. Like if you've ever went for a run or just a long walk or, you know, another thing that gives feel-good endorphins or at least is calming is meditating. And so those are the things that I'm trying to do for real in my own life. Hendrix is 10 months old and I feel like we haven't really talked about our kids recently. And I saw that, you know, a few people are like, I want an update on your real life. And so I was like, let me have a therapy sesh with my podcast girlfriends because uh, I feel like I always feel better after talking to you guys. So, okay. So Hendrix is 10 months old right now and he has like one and a half teeth (laughs) and I'm about to start sleep training him. So I'm still nursing him exclusively and, you know, obviously he's eating solids and whatnot too. But man, he doesn't sleep all night. He hasn't slept all night since he's been born. He sleeps like four to five hour increments. And I never, ever, ever complain about it because it's my choice. Like I am someone who believes that babies are needy. I mean, that's like who they are, right? And so I try really hard not to complain to myself or to anybody that, you know, he sleeps only four to five hour increments at 10 months old. And I know that like some people are like, girl, but you could get 12 hours of sleep. I know, I know, I know, I know. Cause I did this with Henley. Like I did the same exact thing. Like, I don't know. It's something in me that makes me want to just not let him cry it out at all. And I know that it probably only take two nights for him to, you know, cry it out or to like have like a gentle approach, which is what I do for the sleep training. But I'm so fortunate to have had these nights with him, snuggling with him. And, you know, he's such a mama's boy. I've never felt more loved by anybody in the entire world than I do with my son because, I mean, he just loves his mama. It is the sweetest, sweetest, sweetest feeling. And Gracie, of course, she is such a sweet little girl. I mean, this is my all-time favorite age. So Gracie is three and a half and she is so fun. Like she's a good listener. I mean, obviously she's three and a half. So, you know, of course she's not like perfect at listening, but she's trying and you can tell and she wants to please her parents and, you know, she wants to make herself proud and it's just, it is so heartwarming. Like she's just such a fun, fun age right now. Like my favorite age for kids is three and a half to about like, I don't know, seven or eight or whenever they start talking back and you're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> like I thought that your mommy was your whole world. <laughs> now I'm not cool. So I don't know. I feel like also the first year of life is the hardest with a baby. And I feel like we're kind of, well, Hendrix was almost a year old, which is so bittersweet because of course I want him to be a baby. And I'm like, how did my baby get so big? But then I'm also like, oh, it's kind of nice. Like he can kind of explain what he needs a little bit more than just like crying. Like he can point or crawl to it. He's also almost walking, you know, those like walker toys that they push on when they stand. So he's already pushing on these things and like walking across the room with them. I just feel like his life has gone by, like all his milestones are happening so fast I can't even keep up. All of a sudden, like at five months old, I was like, you're going to start this month not being able to sit up and then you're going to be able to sit up. And it was true. He sat up by the end of five months. And ever since then, it's just like one thing after the other. It's just, I cannot keep up. So that's kind of an update on our kiddos and our life, our married life. To give you an update on that, we are celebrating our seven year anniversary this week. And I'm kind of like, oh my God, I can't even believe it really because... 
I mean, seven years, that's a really long time. And, you know, seven years later, I have to say, I've definitely never loved him more than I love him now, which is, I don't know if that's always the case for everyone. It seems like it kind of makes sense because obviously the more and more we get to know each other, the more and more you love someone and you feel connected to them. But also, you know, we still have our struggles. Like we still have things that we go through. I'm trying to think of like a recent fight that we've had. I think that our arguments are usually around work because now he's a stay-at-home dad. And so we're trying to really navigate this because I work a lot. I'm really passionate about working. I enjoy working and I need his help with things like, you know, especially with the kids, of course, because he's a stay-at-home dad. So that's the whole point. But he also still helps with like the podcast and I'm creating that course, Become Body Positive. And so I'm recording videos consistently still and like meditations and things that I offer inside that course. And so I asked him to help me with the editing so that I could be able to hang out with the kids a little bit more and, you know, become up to deadlines and, you know, things aren't submitted to like my team who helped me like, you know, put it out to everybody who's part of the course. And like, for example, this literally just happened today because today's the deadline and the podcast, just nothing was done on time. And I'm such a perfectionist. I really like to make sure that everything that we do is done really, really well. And so we got a little bit of a tiff today about that, just that he, you know, he's just very lackadaisical. And this is probably why we work so well together, to be very honest, because I am so not lackadaisical. I'm like, let's get our stuff done and let's do it perfectly. And if it's not perfect, we're going to do it again because it should be perfect. And Douglas is more like, eh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Oh, we got till tomorrow. Oh, it's fine. And I'm like, what do you mean it's fine? We've got like four hours before this is due. (laughs) So honestly, that is our biggest issue ever. But let's switch gears and talk about the fact that we are an auntie and uncle again. We have a new nephew, little baby Joey. He is so sweet. He was born on March 19th and he was a scheduled C-section and mama and daddy are doing well. So it was actually Doug's sister who had baby Joey. And so now I feel like Hendrix has a whole team of like little best friends because my sister-in-law just had baby Joey. And then my sister, Amy Lynn, had my nephew, Jamie who she named after me. And of course, you know, I'm sure if you've listened before, you know all about that. I feel so incredibly honored. He's such a sweet little nugget. And today she sent me a picture of him wearing one of Hendrix's old outfits, which was actually, it's just a hand-me-down by a hand-me-down. So like my sister-in-law, Carrie, who is Doug's brother's wife, she gave me this outfit and then Hendrix wore this outfit. And then now I gave it to my sister and now little baby Jamie's in it. And it's just so sweet to see. So he's doing well, but then also Hendrix has another little buddy, my nephew. Trevor, who was in the NICU, he is thriving and doing well and literally the same size as Jamie because they had like the same due dates, except he's technically, you know, four months old, whereas Jamie's only a month old. It's interesting how that, you know, plays out, but they're all doing well. And so that's really, really, really exciting. Doug and I are definitely starting to try for another baby. I actually want to make sure that I'm super healthy though before I get pregnant because I've been, as those of you who follow me on Instagram know, I've had this thing with HPV and a bad pap and I ended up having to have a colposcopy because the cells were precancerous. And after the colposcopy, they realized that it was severe enough that I had to go in and get a LEAP procedure. And so just the other day, I haven't gotten the results back yet, but I got the follow-up pap to the LEAP to make sure that all the precancerous cells are out so that you know I'm not going to have ovarian cancer or cervical cancer at any point. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. But as soon as we get that 
back. I mean, and I'll be honest, like <laughs> we haven't been not trying, but we haven't been trying. And so we've had a couple episodes where we thought maybe I was pregnant because my hormones are still so out of whack. And so my monthly came back, but it's like, it's always been consistent. Even after Gracie, it came back and it was just normal. But apparently, I mean, everything's different with baby number two. I got to tell you, everything is different. So yeah, so now my monthlies aren't consistent at all, it seems like. And so I thought because it was late, I was like, oh my gosh, am I pregnant? Like that would be like heaven. Like I was like, there's only like two chances that we could be, but hey, I've heard crazier things have happened. And so we gave it a shot and I wasn't, which of course, then I'm like bummed. And so I'm like, come on, Jamie, like it's okay. So I just, I really want to for sure have at least two more kids. Doug kind of wants to stop at three, but I really, really, really want two or like four more. I'm not even kidding. Like I just, you know, don't have family. I just have never had, you know, I have my siblings and that's it. And I guess that's why I want my children to have their siblings in more than just one, because all I've ever known is like having my siblings and they're the only ones who have been a consistent in my life. Like not my mom. I've never had a dad. You know, my grandma has come and gone. Like everyone has come and gone out of my life except my siblings for the most part. And so it's really important to me that I can, you know, give Henley and Hendricks siblings and that I can have them for family, you know, like that's like the one thing you can count on, right? Or your kids. So anyways, it's really, really important to me, but I also think that it's important to be healthy. So I'm going to wait kind of, we're not, see the thing is, is we're not trying, but we're not not trying, if you know what I mean. Like we're not using any protection. So I just believe that if it happens, oh my God, I would be so happy. And if it doesn't happen, well then, okay, fine. I can still get like all the things done that I need to get done, which is essentially just making sure that the pap is good and that I don't have precancerous cells. So anyways, that's the update on us. And I know that a lot of you guys were kind of wanting that like intimate real talk. And honestly, thank you. I kind of feel like I needed to like, you know, have that little vent sesh. So thanks for listening. And for those of you who are watching Married at First Sight, all right. So this season is like literally like I cannot even pick my jaw up off the floor. It is wild. And I'm probably going to make this fast because we have an amazing guest on today. So our guest today, her name is Rafaela, and she's definitely a disruptor in the body positive movement. And if you're kind of over listening to body positive stuff, that's fine. You can skip on over that part of this podcast episode. But honestly, I think that it is such a fascinating conversation. And even if you're the most confident woman in the world, we all need to hear about these things like profusely, really, to really, really hone in on the fact that our bodies, I mean, society has told us time and time and time and time again that unless we're like airbrushed, you know, to the point where there's literally not a pore showing on your face, then you're not beautiful. And it's so sad. And I feel like there's got to be something to counteract that. Like there's got to be something out there to counteract all of this advertising of blemish-free skin and no like fat rolls or skin folds on your body. And it's like, it's so unrealistic. It really, really is. So that's what this is all about is to kind of counteract it and to also help me. So thanks for hanging with me on my own journey to become body positive because these interviews and these conversations that I'm having with each of our guests and within the course that I just created, Become Body Positive, I mean, all of this is also helping me on my own journey. So I'm pumped that you guys are with me and, and whatnot. But let's get back to Merit at First Sight because Dr. Viviana makes house calls and 
Chris has more bombs dropped this week, or last week, I should say. It was crazy. So first of all, okay, let's start with Eric in Virginia. So when Dr. Viviana asks about their views on children, Eric says that Virginia's 50-50 stance isn't okay with him. And if she doesn't want kids, he's done. So he's throwing out the ultimatum. And honestly, I got to tell you, I think that kids is a huge deal breaker. Absolutely, without a doubt. Like if Doug said he did not want kids, we would not be married today. Like there's just not a doubt. I literally just told you like how important kids are to me. And so I get that from Eric's point, but she's saying that she does want kids, just not right now. That's what she said to him. And so he's like, well, I don't want to be 38 or 40 when I have my first kid. And so to me, I'm like, well, you know, hang tight with her. Like you got married and just met, like give her a chance. But on the flip side, I should eat my own words because I got married to Doug, wasn't into him at first, obviously. And then once I was, I was like, okay, when are we having kids? Like I wanted kids tomorrow. And so, you know, we weren't on the same time frame either. And so I feel like for them, you know, everyone's kind of, I feel like they're kind of hard on Virginia saying she's a party girl and she wants to sleep at boys' houses and things like that. And I feel like they've kind of taken her lifestyle out of context. I think she enjoys drinking because she is young and she has lived a very single lifestyle. And I don't think it's cool that she would want to sleep on her guy friend's couch now that she's married, just because like, I don't think she would think it was cool if Eric did the same thing. But that being said, I don't think that she's just some party girl that, you know, like, eh, it's fine if I do these things. Like I think that she's coming into a marriage and she's figuring this out. And I don't know, I feel like people on social media have been so hard on Virginia, like just so hard on her. But anyways, I think that, you know, the thing about Eric and Virginia, and I've said this before so many times, they're kind of interesting because I really thought by now they'd be having more blow up fights and like maybe not even like be together. And this is maybe, I don't know, hopefully not, but like this could be, you know, for sure the deal breaker, the kids thing. But um, every argument they've had up until now, they've really kind of talked through and I feel like their communication is actually really impeccable. And I mean, obviously they haven't agreed on uh, much of anything really, but like they talk it through. And that's like, honestly, to me, that is like the sign that they might actually work unless, of course, they can't see eye to eye on this kids thing because that really is a huge deal breaker as it should be. I mean, no one should just have a kid to make someone else happy or vice versa. I mean, truly, that's not fair to the child. Absolutely not fair to the child. You cannot exchange a kid. You can't return a kid. Like, don't do that to a child. So that's my take on Eric and Virginia and then Ryan and Clara. So Ryan says he wants to make sure the connection is there before committing sexually. And Clara needs sex to feel a connection. So they, they're they definitely kind of like oil and water at this point, but also oddly communicating well, kind of. I mean, it seems like Clara, well, she's certainly really good at communicating to like her girlfriends and to everyone that she's like, okay, I am someone who enjoys sex and, you know, I feel loved when I have sex or I feel needed and wanted. And I feel like she's actually done a really good job though saying all of those things to Ryan though too, like kind of. Like she's definitely more open with her girlfriends, but aren't we all? Like after you're having a glass of wine with your girls, you're just a little bit more open. I think that Ryan is really sweet though. The fact that he wants to build a solid foundation prior to like, you know, having sex. I mean, to me, that seems like that maybe he's, you know, super serious about this marriage and he doesn't want things to become sexual too early and then kind of ruin it. So I don't know. I feel like Ryan and Clara are going to be okay. And I also just, I got to say, I love that Ryan and Clara are in a racial couple. I had a chance to talk to Clara just briefly after we finished Married at First Sight Unfiltered one evening. She had come to my hotel room and Paige came as well. We were talking just about like, 
you know, how she was doing with all of this. And I talked to Paige as well. And we just had like a girl talk, no husbands allowed and, you know, not mine, not theirs, no one's. I'm not spoiling the ending for anyone. But yeah, you know, Clara is well aware that their relationship, the fact that it's interracial is, I don't know, like everyone's kind of eyeing it because this is the first time we've had a black man and a white woman together on Married at First Sight. And of course, in and of itself, I'm rooting for that. Like I really want there to be more diverse couples on Married at First Sight. And so I'm pumped for this. Honestly, I would also love to see same sex. Why not? You know, like love is love and Married at First Sight should be very, very inclusive. And I think that they're trying to be, and I love that. So that's very exciting to me. Jacob and Haley, they are just definitely in the friend zone, right? I mean, I feel like maybe not even necessarily friends. Like I feel like Haley is definitely not into his 80s themed lifestyle. And Jacob, I think he's into her, you know, it's kind of hard to tell, but I think that he's you know, holding back because he probably feels a bit rejected by her. And I don't think she does it in a mean way per se, but she definitely isn't into him and it's pretty clear. And I don't even know if like they're friendly. I feel like they hang and talk, but it's like almost like obligatory. I don't know. What do you think when you watch them? Like, I feel like they're just not into each other or maybe he's into her a little bit, but honestly, it doesn't really seem like he's that into her either. Really? I mean... I don't know. Those two are enigma and I don't really, I could see how, you know, something could change because of course, like Doug and I had that same type of thing. But the thing is, is that Doug and I became, I don't know, into each other within days. And now it's been like weeks for Haley and Jacob. And I'm like, uh oh, are they going too far into the friend zone to like, I don't know, get repaired for their marriage? I don't know. And Paige and Chris, of course, I saved the most explosive for last because holy moly, their relationship has been like it's given me stress and anxiety. I can't imagine living it like poor Paige. And I, I gotta say, like, I know that a lot of people are just like, quote unquote, fed up with her based on what I'm seeing on Instagram and stuff. But like, man, I don't know. Like I said before, when I was talking to Doug and Bonnie and my husband, Doug, you know, cause Bonnie was saying that just kind of how it's like kind of frustrating that she keeps taking him back. And it's like, yeah, it is frustrating to see that, right? Like if you're in a relationship or if your friend is in a relationship and you see them constantly take back the guy that you're like, you know, it's not a good guy. You know, he's not treating you well. You kind of get frustrated at the girl or the person who is like, I guess I would, I don't want to say victim because she's not a victim, but the person who's being wronged. And I don't know, it just brings me back to my childhood because my mom was constantly taking back my stepdad who beat the snot out of her and she's sent to jail. And then, you know, her whole family, and this is why I don't really have family, I, I believe, is because, you know, they always thought that, you know, we would probably become drug addicts like my mom or, you know, just like in and out of jail, like my stepdad, like things like that. And so my family, like her family, really kind of, I don't know, like they got annoyed with her that she would constantly take him back. So then they kind of turned their backs on her when really all she needed was someone to just love her and support her. And, you know, even if she did take him back, like clearly she was weak. And so why can't you love her and support her and lift her up? Because what happened then was that she felt like she had no love and support. The only person who ever wanted her was the guy that was also beating her. So she would take him back. And then it was just like this vicious cycle, you know? And so then eventually she got strong enough to get rid of him. But then they had like no family around. And, you know, her mom 
my grandma like did come back and like really help and support and whatnot, I think as best as she could. But I think the damage was kind of already done. Like my mom felt really isolated and alone and had no support system really. And so anyways, I'm obviously not going to be someone to say that Paige is silly for taking him back. I'm not going to say that she's weak. I'm the person that's going to be like, listen, can we love on her? Like maybe if you think she's being weak, why don't you help her become stronger? I don't know. Like, is that a crazy thought? I don't know. So I get kind of a little frustrated with people on Instagram who are kind of hard on Paige because I'm like, because I say that she's so weak and she's so gullible or, you know, she listens to his sweet nothing. It's like, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Like, and you think that's going to help her by hearing these things? Like, no. Anyways. So the fact that he got his ex Mercedes, a Mercedes Benz, because she's pregnant with his kid, but yet he's married to Paige. It's like almost not even worth our breath to talk about because it's obviously so, so, so bad. I mean, he's, and this is actually funny. Someone had posted on Instagram. He bought his wife fried chicken, but he bought his ex a Mercedes Benz. And it's like, well, if that doesn't, you know, show you where his heart's at. I don't know what will. And so, you know, that's just a, honestly, that's just a disaster. And it's almost like heartbreaking to talk about because it's like, these are real lives and real people. And ah, it's just heartbreaking. So that's kind of my thoughts on Married at First Sight. And of course, you know, Unfiltered's on and that's where I'm more of a host. So I have to be a little bit more of a devil's advocate and kind of midline. But here on the podcast, I'll just tell you <laughs> like what I really think. And that's really kind of where I'm at. Although I pretty much say what I really think on Instagram all the time too. But on Unfiltered, I have to really, sometimes I can't hold my tongue. And sometimes they cut around that. Sometimes they share it. I don't know. But for sure on this podcast and on Instagram, I cannot hold my tongue. And so that's my thoughts on Married at First Sight. I'm dying to know what your guys' thoughts are on this season. And obviously, as you know, we read every single five-star review. So, you know, shoot out a review and I would love to hear your thoughts on this season. Just curious what those of you guys who listen to the podcast think, because of course I know what people on Instagram think. But yeah, so before I get to bringing on our amazing guest, Rafaela, which by the way, Doug is part of this interview as well. So as you know, we record our interviews nine times out of 10. We record our interviews prior to the episode going live just so that we can make sure that they're done, edited and all the things. And we try to take out like too many ums and likes and all, you know, anything that would be like kind of frustrating to listen to. So yeah, we recorded this earlier with Rafaela and Doug is a part of it. But before we bring on Rafaela, I wanted to tell you about this week's partner for Hot Marriage Cool Parents because I'm so pumped. Because as I said, I literally just started therapy again myself via like the telehealth space. And this week we have Talkspace on as a partner and I wholeheartedly recommend Talkspace for therapy. I mean, if you're somebody who can relate to anything that I just said, or if you're just somebody who feels like you need someone to talk to outside of your circle or outside of your box, I highly, highly, highly recommend therapy. I really, really do. And if you're like, but I don't have time to like drive someplace, girl, I get it. Same. (laughs) I'm the same exact way. I really, really recommend checking out a therapist and Talkspace is our partner this week. So they let you send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform 24-7. So with Talkspace, you set goals with your therapist and they hold you accountable and make sure you're really progressing. But also they allow you to just talk about however you're feeling. So, you know, maybe you don't have the freaking motivation for a goal right now. That's okay. You let them know and then they just walk you through step by step of how you're feeling. And honestly, I'm telling you, there's nothing, there's nothing better than therapy, working out, 
And of course, like a happy pill, like that concoction, in my opinion, is like such a big relief. So yeah, therapy can really help you shift your perspective. It helps you find tools to cope in difficult times. And it's really a guiding light. And believe it or not, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists. So like, for example, you know how I was saying I went through a couple therapists before I found like the right one. You might have to go through a couple therapists too. And Talkspace allows you to do that. And honestly, the, the greatest thing about Talkspace is that it's super affordable because it's a fraction of the cost of what an in-person therapy would cost. And instead of having to wait for an appointment or having to drive to an appointment, you can literally send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7 and they'll engage with you daily five days a week. I mean, honestly, it's phenomenal. It's really, really incredible. So like, for example, if you're having a struggle and maybe you're not having an appointment for a whole week, you don't have to wait with Talkspace. You get to go right to your therapist and message them and say, hey, listen, I'm having some struggles right now. And then they'll get back to you in a timely manner, which is amazing. Also, it's super secure. They're private and they only use the latest end-to-end bank grade encryption technology to store client information and complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. So what you're talking about is safe with them, which is obviously super important. All right. So if you think that therapy might be right for you, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I really do. You'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. So if you want to match with a licensed therapist today, head to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure you use that code Jamie because you'll get $100 off your first month. And so again, that's Jamie. The code is Jamie to get a hundred bucks off and go to Talkspace.com. And like I said, also, if you don't like the first therapist that you're matched with, that's okay. Like it's not rude and it's not weird to kind of swap out. Like no one will be offended. So I just wanted to share that with you. But we also have another partner that I'm super pumped about. So our next partner is Rothy's. Have you even heard about Rothy's before? I'm going to tell you that this is about to blow your mind. So have you ever thought that shoes could be made from plastic, like water plastic or marine plastic? I honestly did not think that was even possible, but that's exactly what Rothy's does. So they're shoes that are knit with thread made from plastic water bottles. So they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on and there is zero break-in period. I mean, they have literally taken over 75 million bottles and they have made them into beautiful shoes, handbags, and face masks. And the best part for me is that they're washable. So like you can literally pop them right into your wash machine. They have such a multiple variety of different, like they have slide on shoes. I got myself a pair of like walking tennis shoes and they're super duper duper cute. I actually got my assistant Zoe who helps me with become body positive. I got her a pair too because she's so big on sustainability. And so as you can imagine, this is a super sustainable company. I mean, they are literally taking plastic out of the ocean and creating beautiful shoes and handbags and face masks. And CNN says Rothy's are, quote unquote, the comfiest slip-on shoes I've ever owned, period. So it just goes to show that like they really are amazing shoes, but they're also stylish and cute. I'm not big on slip-ons, but like the walking tennis shoes that I got are so freaking cute and they really don't have to be like broken in. So yeah, if you want to check out all the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at Rothy's, go to Rothy's dot com slash HMCP. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash HMCP. Style and sustainability meet to create your brand new favorite shoes that you're going to love for the rest of your life. Head to rothys.com slash HMCP. Love it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, so that's our amazing partners for the week. Gotta tell you, those Rothy shoes are so cute and comfortable. But yeah, let's bring Rafael on now. This week, we have the amazing Rafaela on the podcast. Rafaela is a mental illness activist and diet culture disruptor who uses social media to center people who are living in marginalized bodies while also sharing about her own personal journey. She's trying to be compassionate with herself during this pandemic, and she's hoping you can do the same. She's all around an amazing human, and we are so stoked to have her on the podcast. Welcome, Rafaela. Thank you so much. That was such a lovely welcome, and thank you so much for having me here today. Oh my gosh, I'm so pumped that you took the time to be on the podcast. I want to just get right to the top. We would love to know what got you started on this journey to advocacy and what your own experiences have been like while you're navigating the world of normalizing normal bodies. Oh my goodness. Um, I guess it wasn't an active decision like, okay, I'm now going to talk about these things just for fun or like a, as a hobby. It's like it kind of came out of necessity from like my own journey with me navigating life while living in a larger body and learning about body positivity and what that means. And also recently being diagnosed with an eating disorder. That was kind of the biggest wake up call for me. It's like, oh, like this isn't all in my head. This is real. And it's just been like, the more I've been on social media, the more like different bodies and humans I'm following, I'm realizing like, oh, oh, maybe I don't need to like keep trying to shrink myself in order to be worthy or loved. Like, look at all these amazing people out there. Why can't I be amazing just like them? And so it's just kind of been like a slow, natural progression of learning and unlearning diet culture, then relearning like more self-love or more body neutrality or, I mean, it's just been a journey and I've really wanted to share my journey with others because it feels so isolating. I think it feels like we're all alone in this and we're the only one who's struggling or our body's the only body that's the worst and everyone else is beautiful. And so I thought, okay, if I can share these things on my social media maybe that can help other people too. And it's been beautiful to listen to others on their journey and also learn from people living in even more marginalized bodies and learning how we can amplify their voices as well. I love the passion behind your voice. I love your story. I'm so happy that you have come to this place where you're like, hey, wait, maybe I can actually love my body too. I wanted to talk to you because the very first thing you said was uh, learning more about what body positivity is. And for anybody who's listening who doesn't understand, and I feel like this could be a bit of a subjective term. I mean, everybody can say a little bit differently, but what does body positivity mean to you? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. At first, I thought it was just equivalent to like self-love. And then it wasn't till I was doing more work with Instagram and listening to other people that I learned that body positivity really originated for people living in marginalized bodies. So like fat black women, because they just weren't receiving respect. It's not even just about loving yourself. It's okay, I am not treated equally in society. So it's obviously very tied to like white supremacy and racism and satphobia. So that's like the core of it as I've learned. So I personally don't really use the term body positivity a lot because I feel like a lot of other like more privileged bodies have used the term. But in general, this whole sphere... I think it's about recognizing like, okay, we can individually love our bodies and encourage others to love their bodies while also recognizing the real societal problems that are happening all the time. So for like, for me, I'm living in a larger body. I identify as like a fat woman, but I'm white. So I have that white privilege that benefits me over like, black women, let's say, but I still am fat. So I can love my body. I can accept myself wholly, but I can go to a doctor and say, Hey, my anxiety is really bad. I think I need medications. And they say to me, Oh, how about you go exercise first? And that's what happened to me. It took me a really long time for me to get on medications because I was really dismissed and I'm still dismissed all the time especially by doctors and medical professionals. It's like they can't see past that. And it's like, okay, I can love myself, accept myself, and I'm still treated differently by society. I can't just walk into any clothing store and get clothing. They just don't have my size. So it's like, okay, the world is constantly telling me that I don't belong and that my body is wrong. So it's like, how can you push back against that when it's like you're dealing with like you know your own demons and your own negative self-talk plus the negative talk of society and everyone around you trying to silence you so for me in this like body positivity in this space it's the like balance between our own feelings and our own um like experience and also recognizing the different systems at play and real quick what is fat phobia just for anybody that may not know or know the term. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Feel free to stop me at any time. Sometimes I just throw words out. And I'm just used to it. <laughs> oh, Rafaela, like your story, and thank you so much for being so vulnerable because I feel like there are so many women who can relate and identify with exactly what you're saying, whether it be they're black in quote-unquote fat or they're white in quote-unquote fat. I mean, you're just really, really touching and hitting a point home. And I really appreciate that. And honestly, you're opening so many eyes, including my own. So thank you so much for your vulnerability. But yes, what is fat phobia? Oh, thank you. So yeah, fat phobia. I mean, the word phobia means fear. So people think I'm not scared of fat people. I'm not, I'm not fat phobic, but it's like the fear of fatness in general. So I've had people come into my messages and say, oh, like, I don't care if other people are fat. I just really don't want to be fat myself. Is that still fat phobia? And I'm like, yeah, it's still this perception that fatness is wrong. Fatness needs to be feared. And like, no matter what we do, like the end goal is to move far, far away from fatness. And 
I have internalized fat phobia. Like our society is fat phobic. So it might be uncomfortable to admit to ourselves like, oh yeah, like I do see through a lens of fat phobia and I move through the world fat phobically. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. We're going to make yeah, it one. You just made it up. That's fine. <laughs> I made it. It's, that's what it is now. So for, I still acknowledge that. And instead of shaming ourselves, like, oh my God, how could I be like this? Offering ourselves some compassion, like, oh, I'm raised in a society that's telling me that being fat is the worst thing in the world. And I'm going to do the work to unlearn that and realize that fatness isn't actually bad. Like inherently, it doesn't mean anything. Like we've been told it's ugly and it's unhealthy and all these things that we're supposed to value in society. So that's when I speak of fat phobia is just kind of any sense of where we're trying to move away from fatness or doing anything we can to like shrink ourselves. Uh, such a good answer. Thank you so much for that. So I know on your page, which by the way, I absolutely love Rafaela on Instagram and we're going to get to her handle at the very end of this. So stay tuned for that. But I know on her Instagram page, she's posted a lot about how smaller white women who share about their body image. And it's kind of like maybe a little frustrating because when you're a larger white woman or a larger black woman or someone with a more quote unquote marginalized body, you know, it's frustrating for you because you're like, well, you don't even necessarily have that same issue. And so I really wanted to bring you on the podcast because I kind of identify with the smaller white woman, you know, that also is trying to be, you know, quote unquote body positive and like learn to love myself. And so I think that like there's a realm, like this is a ginormous realm. And I love that a black, larger, like able-bodied woman, I guess, started this movement because it opened so many any eyes. And I kind of love that she's the pioneer, right? So it's a black, quote unquote, fat woman who's the pioneer of having all of us women, whether we're black, white, you know, yellow, red, whatever. We're all now like, wait a minute, I'm loving myself as I am. So it's kind of cool, like props to this black woman and the view of them who did it. But I don't know, I, I watched something on your page about how it's just kind of frustrating that there's like these white women who are, you know, barely fat, according to societal standards. And they're just like, you know, like, I'm going to be body positive, And that is me. And I was like, oh, man, I hope I'm not, you know, stepping on toes or offending anybody. But I also realize, of course, I'm allowed to want to love my body because because it is a society like there's always like that one image every like decade there's an image and like right now it's like Kim Kardashian for the most part or like maybe a couple decades ago it was Twiggy who was like had no shape whatsoever and that was like the epitome of beauty. Um, and you've called out thin influencers on social media saying that they're taking up too much space on social media. What did you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, that was a controversial time. Um, that was last May. I just made a post. I've been talking about this stuff for a couple of years now. I had about 9,000 followers, so not a massive following, just my community. And I was just expressing my frustration that, okay, I can speak about these things. I can show my body. I can talk about fat phobia and diet culture and all these double standards and get no recognition, not be able to even reach. It's not even just about like the likes or follows, but my message isn't even able to reach anyone. And I'm feeling so frustrated. And I see these thinner, whiter people, mostly women with large followings who 
honestly are thin and who wear straight sizes. That's a really good way for me to identify because, yeah, fatness is subjective. Like some people think they're fat, but like what really is fat? So I like to say like people who wear straight sizes, people who wear plus sizes, that's pretty much a good way or it can be a good way to tell. So a lot of straight sized women, you know, talking about like diet culture or like you can love your body no matter what. I have this one skin roll and that means you can love your skin roll too. And like millions of followers and shares and oh my God, you're so brave. And myself and other plus size creators were like, we are screaming this at the top of our lungs and our voices aren't going anywhere. We're just screaming into the abyss. And then someone in a more privileged body says these same things, like without that lived experience piece to it. And they're just held on this platform and it's so frustrating of course there's the jealousy of okay why can't I have that recognition like my own ego is saying that but even taking my ego away from it it's like I just want to share my story and help other people who've had similar experiences and if my voice isn't being heard then I can't help anyone right it's all about being heard and amplifying these voices so that's what my post was highlighting and I tagged the influencers not thinking that they were going to see it who am I no one was seeing my posts like I'm just talking to myself on the internet I don't know who (laughs) saw it first but someone saw it and then they all saw it and then the internet exploded and I was just like what did I do (laughs) what was their response when you tagged them to that message Uh, I think there was about five of them and everyone was really defensive at first. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Like I just freaked out. And then some of them were willing to have some conversations. And I really tried to explain myself just how I'm explaining here, like breaking it down. Like, it's not about you. I'm just frustrated because of this, this, this. And I feel like for some of them, they're they're a slow learning of like, whoa, okay, like I get it. At first I was defensive, but now I understand passing the mic. Like, okay, I can share my body and as long as I'm passing the mic. So that was the thing for me is like, I'm not saying get off the internet, like stop talking. It's like, no, because you are helping people. You are like normalizing different bodies that aren't just seen on the media But we need to recognize that's not it. Like, it can't just stop there. It's like, this is wonderful. Normalize your skin roll on your cellulite. Amazing. And also highlight the person next to you who's living in a bigger body or is disabled or talking about different aspects like you don't have that lived experience on because that's really needed as well. And I don't know if you know, like, so the bird's papaya, Sarah, she was wonderful and she invited me onto her podcast and we had a wonderful discussion and I found that she like was really adapting and like there was a couple others Ariella she's like an Australian influencer she was wonderful having like really extensive conversations with me some of them were really mad and were like I don't need to pass the mic everyone has their own mic I don't have any privilege and I was like oh no oh no (laughs) yeah well I mean because some could argue that they're spreading the same message that you're trying to spread, but it was almost like you saw it as kind of like just false or fake news because they don't have the experience for what they're telling. 
And what kind of got me was what, I guess, what would be ideal for other influencers to bring awareness to this if they're not living in a so-called fat body? Yeah. And so I feel like it's not so much like fake news. I feel like it just like dilutes the overall message of talking about fat phobia because people living in maybe like, no, it's all good. But like you've maybe people living in a size, let's say four to six or eight bodies. So they're wearing straight sizes. They don't face that systemic discrimination in society because of their body. It's only like what they feel inside, which is still so, so valid. But I'm afraid that if we only talk about that, then we think, oh, that's the only problem. Like if this thin white woman can love her body, then so can I. And we think that that's the epitome of fat phobia, of diet culture is what these people are saying. And it's for me, it's to step back and say, okay, this message is so important and valid. And these people can put on pants and go out in the world and not be harassed on the streets. They can walk into any clothing store in the world and they know that their size is there or is offered. Um, like just those little things that we don't think about. It's like, okay, like I might struggle with my own body and maybe I don't see my body on the cover of a magazine. And I also can go eat in public without being ridiculed. And I can also speak about these things and have my voice heard without being called names or saying, oh, you're just jealous because you're fat. Like, yeah, like not getting that same amount of pushback. So it's a balance. It's a balance of like, okay, this is important work and we need to be in it together and we need to make room for others. So I, I believe it was um, Sarah from the Birds Papaya. She said, it's about making a longer table, right? It's not getting rid of people. It's not saying, hey, you can't talk anymore. Yes. Go right. away. It's about, hey, let's all sit here together because some people just do not have a seat at the table who deserve to be there. Well, I think your message was crucial to this whole movement because you gave a voice to people. You know, it, it needed to be shouted instead of just slowly chipped away. It needed to be shouted to bring awareness. And I think that's what got picked up on was you were going to start the discussion. I didn't see it as a negative or an attack. I saw it as a way for you to open up the discussion for everybody to contribute, really. Yeah. And on that note, I love that your thing is past the mic. Because I wanted to ask you, you know, well, first of all, I, when I saw it, like I said, I totally identified with that white body. You know, I don't know what size I am right now because I'm not my normal size, you know, but I recognize that. And honestly, I love, 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 love how just transparent you're being, how you're like, yeah, maybe there was a little bit of jealousy because I'm screaming and no one's listening to me, but you know, and it is like most influencers who have a large following are skinny white girls that are like posing in their bikini bathing suit, like on the beach, but you know, like with all the beautiful angles and whatnot. And then when they sit down, they have a role and you're like, girl, I don't got to sit down to have a role, but I don't want to minimize that role and how she feels. And I, I don't think that's what you're trying to do, but I think, and Sarah from the Birds of Papaya is an absolutely amazing example of inclusivity because I absolutely love that. She said, you know, make the table longer, make a seat for everyone because that's what is needed. And, and Rafaela, that's exactly what you're kind of, it seems like begging for. It was like, let me sit at this table with you. Like, can I talk about how I have a fat body and I have roles without sitting down or, you know, whatever your message was. So I wanted to kind of pass the mic 
to you and talk all about mental health and how it correlates with body confidence. Ooh, that's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, my mental health is like extremely correlated with how I feel about my body and how I'm treated because of my body. Like, for example, because of my recent diagnosis of an eating disorder, like I was diagnosed with anorexia and I've told some doctors that and they're like, oh, really? Or I've told people and it's like atypical anorexia. So it's all the criteria of anorexia just without being at a low body weight. But it's still extremely critical and harmful. And I'm now working with a dietitian to try to eat more. And I get messages like, every day on Instagram telling me to stop eating or comparing me to various animals or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, oh, it's so interesting because you actually don't know me or people talking about health saying, oh, promoting obesity. You're like promoting like an unhealthy lifestyle. And it's like, little do you know that me eating more is the healthiest thing I can do for my body. And you just look at me and make an assumption So me living in this world and feeling like, okay, I'm not going to be heard in this body. I am not valued in this body. And if I, you know, continue to engage in eating disorder behaviors, of course that affects my mental health. Like if you're not nourishing your body, at least I've learned this the hard way, that it's so hard to function and just knowing constantly what society thinks of my body and me being here. Like, I'm so grateful I can be here and talk about these things. And I still feel so self-conscious about my body a lot of the time because I'm so worried, like, oh, like maybe my family doesn't accept me until I'm going to look a certain way. Or, okay, maybe my boyfriend would love me more if I looked a certain way. And sometimes it's messages, you know, from external people. Sometimes it's just my own self-talk and my anxiety coming up. So no, I would say like the way I'm treated in this body affects every aspect of my life, including my mental health. I think that you can't hit that point home harder. And that's whether you have a larger body, smaller body, you know, a disabled body, you know, a hundred percent correlates. Like what goes on between your ears and in your head absolutely has an impact on how you feel about your body. And then also like your body and what it looks like and whether or not you're able to accept it. What society tells you about your body absolutely has an impact about what goes on between your ears, you know, like what's going on in your head. I absolutely just adore having you on truly. But I wanted to ask you another thing. When I started to do more research myself about body image and acceptance, I read that over 95% of diets fail, which to me was very mind boggling. I had no idea. Yet this is a billion dollar industry. And we're all told, of course, that we need to go on a diet to get to this ideal body image and that, you know, we see all the success stories, the befores and the afters and all the things, but like no one talks about the fact that over 95% of diets fail. It is shocking. So then I thought to myself, how much people profit off that and how little it's actually doing for us when we really could be investing in ourselves out of love. What are your thoughts on the diet industry and how we can change the narrative? Mm, That's such a good question. And you're right. Like the diet industry makes so much money because diets don't work. Like that's the whole point, right? If it worked, then people would stop using it and then they wouldn't make more money. 
So they don't actually want you to win. If you became to a place where you loved your body and stopped using their product or using their app or whatever they're selling you, they lose money. So why would they ever want you to get there? And the thing that I've learned is that our bodies are so good at trying to protect ourselves. So if you're starving yourself or not treating yourself well, your body's not going to stay there. Your body's going to try to move back to a place that is sustainable and healthy for you. So like my whole life, I've tried to restrict myself and I was never, ever, ever thin. Like my body could never go there. I've tried every diet. I've been on every workout plan and my body is just not meant to be like that. So my body's trying to now be like, okay, what's healthy for you, Rafaela? And that's going to be different than either of you. What's right for your bodies? And that's totally fine. So the thing is diet culture and the diet industry, we have the power. We think that they have the power. We're like, hey, they need to stop making, you know, these laxative diet teas and they need to stop promoting this. And which I agree, I would love them to stop. But we have the money. If we stop giving them our money, they go out of business. So if we continue to follow any like diet or thin spo accounts or buying any like diet culture products, yeah, we just keep telling them, hey, we want more. We want more. We want to support you. We want to grow your business. If we just unsubscribe to all of that, then we have the power to shrink them. And it's hard. It's hard if you're used to, you know, being on a diet constantly. And it might take some time for you to realize, okay, like how can I nourish or take care of my body that isn't just about shrinking it? And really learning that shrinking your body does not equal health. That's the thing, right? Like health looks different on every single body. You can never look at someone and determine their health. And at the core of it, why does someone's health determine their worth and value? Like if someone's chronically ill, does that mean that their worth is just like gone? Like, yeah, you don't matter because your health is, you're never going to be healthy. So you know, screw you. No, we don't say that to people. So why do we say that to people based on their bodies and shame people like, oh, you're not healthy? One, you don't know that. And two, why does that matter? (laughs) Are you going around hospitals and yelling at people like, you're not healthy? No. How how did you get to that point? Because it sounds like you went through a ton of different diets and exercising and everything. Was there a moment in time that kind of got you to like, you know what? I'm just going to eat to nourish my body. I'm not going to listen to diets. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do what makes me and my body happy. Was there something that got you to that point or was there a rock bottom that made you get over it or was it therapy and nutritionist? What got you over that part of your life? Yeah, I've been trying to think of like if there was a single moment that really changed that for me, but I think it was like a couple different factors. So My whole life, so I'm 24, and my whole life, I've definitely been in a restrictive mindset, always believing that my body was bad and that it was my fault. And that sucks. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. And it's been, I think, a mix of being on social media and seeing other plus size creators or creators in all different bodies, and me genuinely thinking, they are beautiful and they are worthy. And I would never tell that person to shrink themselves. How dare I tell myself 
to shrink my right and I see that other people think the same as me they're like oh I like your body but I just can't accept mine I'm like I get it right like I can't see that in myself yet but I can see that in other people so logically I'm like well, that doesn't make sense like there's a disconnect here and I found my dietitian I was at some event and I found this dietitian who was talking about health at every size which is a framework saying that not that everyone is healthy at every size but health can be attained at any size or you can work towards health at any size and she was really talking about how she wants to come from a place of nourishment instead of restriction and no calorie counting and I was like oh my god can you help me and so I've been working with her for a couple years now and it's just been amazing to have someone else on my team saying, okay, Rafaela, like I value you and we need to nourish your body today. Like, even if you don't feel good, even if you're having a low body image day, you still need to nourish your body so that you can go on podcasts so that you can go on Instagram. And that's something that really fueled me. It's like, oh, okay. So I can nourish myself so that I can do this work because if I don't have any energy, if I don't have any fuel in my body, I can't do this. And this is what drives me. So it's been a slow progression, but I would just recommend to anyone listening to just follow diverse people and unfollow people who make you feel bad about yourself. I absolutely couldn't agree more with that advice. A thousand percent because just like the diet industry is kind of thrown in your face and that makes you feel bad. But same thing with these, whoever you may follow who, you know, whatever their poses and filters and things are, that may make you feel bad about yourself. And it doesn't mean you don't love them. You obviously think they're amazing because you follow them. It doesn't mean you don't like them, but you just can't have that kind of negative self-talk really. Because when you see it, then you instantly start to internalize yourself of how you're, you don't look like that, or you'll never reach that, or you wish you could be that. And it's not about that. Like it's, it's, you got to change that internal dialogue. I absolutely love this, Rafaela. I didn't know that you were actually 24 and you're so young. And to me, cause I'm 10 years older than you. So like, to me, I'm like, you're so young and so wise. And I'm two years older than you, so. (laughs) No, I mean, I feel like I could have you on here all day to talk about this because, you know, you speak so eloquently on it. You're also so vulnerable and so honest. And I think that that's such a great place to talk on this. And I'm curious, what do you do? Like, this is just a personal question, but what do you do? Because you said that if you didn't eat, you wouldn't be able to do, continue to do the work that you do around this topic. So what is your work that you do? Is that like, do you have a nine to five type job around this or? These are all good questions. Uh, No, I'm kind of like in this weird space. I'm just finishing university like this year. So I've been like moving away from identifying as a student and trying to do more work on Instagram and have these conversations and work on my Patreon. And I'm trying to build up some businesses. I'm going to, I'm trying to like low-key create an inclusive fashion line. So there's, it's it's chaotic. (laughs) But when I say like the work, I guess I just mean like engaging in conversations just like this going online and having these conversations that are tough and you're right like it is vulnerable and it's hard sometimes because this is me I'm not putting on a face I'm not like trying to be someone else like this is just my life and I'm so tired of hiding from it and feeling shame for these feelings or what I'm experiencing I'm like okay let's just get it out there this is who I am this is what's happening and 
So yeah, I really appreciate having the time to chat with you guys. It means so much. And it's so funny you say like, oh, 24, you seem so like old and wise. It's like when I feel so old. But I think it's like part of these like experiences and like trauma that we go through that really do age us. It's like, okay, like I've been dealing with a lot of tough stuff up until this point and like, I'm tired of it. I don't want to continue living my life like this. And I have to make a radical change if I want something to change. Well, I think you're not just changing it for you, but you're changing a lot of people's lives with what you're doing. So keep up the good work. And it was really a, a pleasure and an honor having you on. Yeah. So if anyone listening, if they want to be able to find you and all the things that you're doing, where can they find you on Instagram or, you know, any place else that you're super active? Practically everywhere at like Rafaela underscore Mancuso. It's a hard name. It's a long name, but it's a weird name. So it'll probably come up if you try. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll also be linking that in the show notes. So if you're listening and weren't sure how to spell it or something of that nature, don't worry, just head to the show notes and I'll have a link to all the things. Um, Rafaela, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to have you on. I absolutely want to have you back and I would love to chat with you a little bit more about maybe potentially working together. But one thing we're definitely going to do is I'm going to pass the mic to you because um, to be very honest, I think that my white body that's abled and is significantly smaller is just as important to feel positive about as it is with your white body that's uh, larger. But I think that when you say that these white bodies who are smaller are diluting the conversation. I hear it loud and clear. I see it myself. And so I am passing the mic to you, my girlfriend, because I know that like right now listening, there are larger white, black, yellow bodies who don't feel heard. And my voice doesn't help them as much to feel heard as your voice does. And so I want to pass the mic to you and we're going to do something powerful together. I just, we're, I don't know what yet. We're going to keep talking about it, but um, I would love to stay in touch with you and good luck at the last year for your schooling yeah. and whatnot. And I know you have a bright future ahead, but this isn't our last chat. We'll be in touch. Thank you so much, you guys. It was a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely love Rafaela. I hope that you enjoyed that as well. I feel like she just speaks from such a place of truth, like even admitting the fact that she was kind of jealous of these white Instagrammers who have thousands and thousands of like hundreds of thousands of followers talking about their skin roll. Which is also a culture thing too, though, because in society, anytime someone of a larger size is angry or upset with someone that's a lot smaller than them, everybody's mindset goes to jealousy immediately, you know? And it's just, it's, it's a mindset that we are trying to, and I know Jamie is really pushing for this too, trying to just change it where maybe we don't have to just go by size. You know, maybe it doesn't have to be a fat girl going after a skinnier girl. Maybe it's just one person to the next, you know? Yeah. But the problem is, is that society has definitely labeled us, but just by the simple fact that there's quote unquote straight sizes and plus Mm -hmm. sizes. So then we're already labeled, you know, like it's not just a size, like we're labeled plus and straight or like plus and petite. And, um, you know, that's just kind of not fair. I think that, you know, Rafaela, her simple fact of saying, well, then don't buy into it. Don't support these businesses. They're going to run out of business. And it is so true. So like, it leads me back to like- Talking about the diet industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like don't support that. And so that honestly just leads me back into the thing with, you know, I recently read that Johnson & Johnson, which by the way, love this company, but they lost 20% of sales because- 
people are learning about ingredients. And now this is obviously entirely different, but something I'm also super passionate about is like just the different ingredients that we have in our products and whatnot and how that affects our health. And so, you know, Johnson and Johnson, which I'm not knocking them in any way, shape or form. I actually love that brand. And I actually really appreciate the fact that they lost 20% in sales. And so then they said, okay, let me go back and rework our formula. So they got rid of all the parabens and the phthalates and the sulfates and reintroduced their brand. And the reason being is that they lost sales. So the best way that we can ever make a change is by not supporting these businesses. You know, and the other thing that I read was that when every purchase you make, it truly does make a vote to what you support. And that's like kind of not fair because some people can't afford to buy, you know, at Whole Foods, for example, where everything's organic and whatnot, but also 10 times the cost of what's at Walmart, you know, which is a whole other conversation. But needless to say, I love the way that she just hit that home and she was so vulnerable and honest. And to me, I genuinely want to have her to be part of my team. Like, you know that I'm creating this course, Become Body Positive, and I am so passionate about it. I feel like it's a message that needs to be heard and spread far and wide, but I am fully aware that I definitely identify as the white skinny girl. Like I'm bummed that I, maybe not bummed, but I'm just kind of shocked that this body that I'm in now is like postpartum is 40 plus pounds heavier than I'm used to, but it's still a straight sized body. I still can go to any store. No one's judging me thinking I'm obese. No one's telling me that I can't have anti-anxiety medicine or, you know, saying that I should be on a diet. No one's, well, I guess some people are, let's be honest. But like my doctor is like, oh, there's a reason why you have a little extra weight. It's okay. And you just kind of work on it. Whereas Rafaela is like, I have been overweight my whole life and I can't even go into a store without finding a pair of jeans that fit me. You know, like that's a whole different conversation. And I want to be able to speak to women. And maybe you're listening and you're like, that's me. That's me. I want to be able to help you as well. And I can't do it myself because I can't relate to you on that same level. And so I want to have people, a part of my team who can help you. If you identify with like the fat girl who can't find clothes, I want to help you as well. And I can't do it the best way if I don't have someone else who can truly identify with you. So that being said, I'm like, Rafaela, she has no idea, but I'm about to text this girl and be like, how can I help you get your voice out there so that we can help far more women? So, I mean, stay tuned for that. I have no idea what she's going to think or say, but like, I just really felt connected to this woman. Yeah, definitely check her out. And again, next week we have another phenomenal guest on and we hope everybody stays safe. Remember, you can visit us at Hot Marriage Cool Parents on Instagram or at Jamie N. Otis, at Doug Hainer, or at Become Body Positive. And we love you, and we'll see you next week. And also, of course, we have Doug and Bonnie on for a maths recap. I know you guys are loving that. So yes, I could talk to you all day. So okay, officially, goodbye. We'll see you next week.